Beanbag Studios presents Nine Stories Up. I'm your host, Brian Fabulous. Welcome back to Nine Stories Up. This is season three, intermission number two, where we start to recap our season three, episode four, five, and six episodes. I'm your host for this episode, Brian Fabulous, and I'm here with Hunter Piermont, your wonderful narrator and host for all of those episodes. It's exciting to be back. Hunter, how are you doing today? It's a, it's a, it's a day of mixed emotions, my friend. I am literally nine stories up as we, as we record this. And I am in the apartment where I grew up. That is what the logo is drawn up for. I'm not at the nine stories up room because only the kitchen has a three prong outlet. So I'm, I'm in the kitchen, but I am nine stories up right now. I can walk into the room if you want. I just didn't want to the history of this oh. of this podcast has been like don't unplug Hunter's computer mid <laughs> mid recording, right? So I'm a little hesitant. This is true. But, uh, for the most nine stories of listeners would know this, but these this intermission episode is months overdue. But um, I've had a couple of tragedies in my family. We've had a couple of deaths, including my father, my father in law, and my mother in a four day period in earlier in May. And so I'm actually here getting my mother's stuff cleaned out completely from the apartment where I grew up. And I'm going to walk out of it for the last time um, after we have this conversation. And it's weird. I, I'm saying that out loud and it's uh, it's a little different. Like it's, it's a little harder to get through when I start saying that out loud. So anyway, that's the, that's the scene set for the listener. So, but we, we owe him some recaps, so take it away, my friend. You do. Uh, before we get into the recaps, very sorry about your losses. That is, um, you know, all I can say is I'm sorry. Well, I appreciate it, and I, I could just address it right off the right out of the shoot. Is that you know a lot of the listeners of Nine Stories Up were people who reached out to me and sent me a lot of love and support, and it's amazing. It's amazing how much support you get. And it's amazing that you need every ounce of it. And it really is so heartening and wonderful. Yeah. And we don't need it all the time. But when we need it, humans come through. We come through for each other when we need it. And you know when we need it. And I have needed it this past month. And, um, and we'll probably continue to for a little while here. So just, just an incredible amount of support. But I will move along. I'm giving you virtual hugs here from L.A regardless it's interesting the the three episodes that we have the moore county blackout a message to obi-wan and beautiful all have and you could say this about all of your episodes or our episodes uh, you know very personal very personal across all of them you know i'll start with the moore county blackout which we get to meet katie again and see how she's doing that was like, that was more of an opportunistic thing. You know, that thing happened. It was national news. And we had the single best correspondent who's going through it. And I had to, and I finally was like, you have to do this with me. You have to get this down. The, 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 the fans want it. The fans want Welch fix. And so she was, she was willing. And so that's all that, that episode kind of speaks for itself right there. It was what it was, and I'm happy to report. You know, I'd tried to record with her the whole first part of the year. She had told everybody she was pregnant a little earlier than she probably should have, 
And so we were going to do a, the episode was going to be called a little Katie Welch, right? A little punish right there. But yeah, then, sure. you know, it happened. And so there was no good way to do it. And you could hear in that episode, she was just like, yeah, so we're just going to let things happen. And like shortly after the episode, she got pregnant again and she's doing great. So there will be there will be a little Katie Welch on the way eventually. But um, but that was pretty that was pretty cool. It just goes to show you that sometimes you don't force things in this world and then and then they just sort of happen. So that is a really great update. I was going to ask you how she was doing because I you know, any of us, and you've had multiple episodes, right, about family and... Right, um, right. it's sort of a through line back to the first episode of the season, right? <laughs> yeah. Which was, which was a year ago, because we run a tight production schedule <laughs> in this operation. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Whoops, yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, a throwback to your friends having yeah. trouble. And, you know, now, now Katie... I was going to ask you that question, but wow. Um, yeah. It's interesting how, how, how things have come full circle. It was interesting to see how well-prepared. Basically, I'm going to go there when the apocalypse happens, given uh, <laughs> right. their preparedness right. yeah. with generators and everything yeah. else. I mean, are you kidding me? Yeah. Are you kidding me how, how, how much they, they had there? Yeah. Um, which I thought was funny. And then we, we go to a message to Obi-Wan, uh, which I thought was a real fun, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll touch briefly on these. Um, a, a message to Obi-Wan, the same ugly sweater spawned this much larger existential conversation with the, the youth pastor and the fact that you knew the same youth pastor. Well, we had the uh, same mentor, from, basically. Right. Yeah. We had the same I mean, mentor who wrote the same letters of recommendation for us. And it was, it was, it, it's wild in that way. And what's, what's weird about that episode, um, you know, I can let it stand on its own. I still haven't done the follow-up that I owe the listener and maybe I'll get it to you by the overtime, but it was like both that and the beautiful episode. I recorded those within days of each other. Like I recorded the interviews. It's just the way it worked out to yeah, get sure. the two subjects. You... I recorded them at the same time and I was, I was mixing them. At a, at, I was with Charlie at a cheer competition in Atlanta and I would just go into a corner between but until his stuff started and mix them and edit. And I was doing two episodes at a, at a time there. And so it was like right after that shit hit the fan with Allison's dad getting getting sick yeah. and sicker. And yeah. my mother had been kind of simmering on the back burner and we were hoping to just. You know, she she talked to me shortly after Ed died and she was like, well, what can I do for you? And I was like, you can take care of yourself because I'm coming for you. You know what I mean? Like you can take care of yourself. But like it was like we couldn't double thread and, you know, I'll have to I'll have to take that one to the grave with me. But it was it was uh, it was difficult. So I really didn't get a chance to reach out and and get Keith this recording and try to go through those channels because just a lot of stuff was happening in my family, even before the two got sick, we had other stuff. So it was, sure. uh, it was difficult. And, but I need to do it because, you know, the whole thing with my father-in-law, he, his, his job, his career was in, in toy manufacturing and toy sales. And so he was, wow. he knows a lot of insides. He knew a lot of inside stories about all the toys we grew up with. And so I was going to do an episode with him and, and it had like the best, the obvious best title, right? Toy stories. And right. so I, I, I practically <sighs> wanted to shoehorn it just because I had a good title for it. 
and I never did it. And so, and then it got to where with his cancer, where he, where it was, it was going to be too hard. It wasn't going to work. Yeah. And it was just like, it, it speaks to, you know, hug the people you got while you got them and take the, take the opportunities while you have them because you don't, you don't know, you don't know with this stuff. And maybe that's a warning to the listeners that I'm going to be a little more aggressive if I think they have a good story to tell going forward here. So I don't, so I, it's a little morbid to say, but still it, it just speaks to, to that this is all a gift, right? So. Yeah, no, it, well, and it's interesting. You referenced your, your mom and episode three, I know I'm backtracking, but mom and Noel rise again. You know, you're able to get her to that, that seminal game this past fall, which is just, you know, touches, touches me. So I know you will follow up on Obi-Wan. Have you stayed in, I mean, have, did that further your relationship with him, you know, in a way that you kind of hadn't realized or, you know, no, uh, it really didn't because we already had the relationship. That's what was so weird about it is it, it didn't, it didn't strengthen it. It, it gave it a nice little garnish. Right. But it okay. didn't okay. change. It didn't change anything. It was just like, Oh my goodness. Right. But, but I, but I thought it would be a cool, I thought I could turn it that little, you know, small world story into a nine stories of episode. So that was what I did. But really the episode is the fact that Keith needs to know because stuff has happened with him. Yeah. That, we need to let him know this, right? Because when you are suddenly disabled and you can't work anymore, Ugh. it seems like a gift to me to be to let to be to be notified that that your life's work was important and it worked, and this is the effects that it had, right? So, so that's why I need I need to do that for this all the reasons that I just mentioned. I need yeah. to do that. So, well, so yeah. I know you will. I know you so, will. And, and to that end, if we move into the episode with Maxine, you know, the recordings of her husband, Francisco, she didn't know I was going to use those. And this gets to he had, you know, you know, from the episode, he had died suddenly when I was a freshman in college. And you again, you don't know, you know, you never know with this with this life. And what had happened was I did the recordings with her. And I was like, so great. I have an easy promo for her one act for one person play, right? I have that that's done, but how do I tie it? What's the, what's the subtext? So I was, I was sitting there struggling like, well, how do, how do I, where, where is it? Where do I fit into this recording? And right before I left her son, Seth sent out these recordings that someone uncovered, someone had to interview someone from another country out in Massachusetts where they have their summer house for an assignment for, for graduate school or something. And the closest thing they could find up there was Francisco, who was from Puerto Rico. So this is the whole, all the transcript from these little like Memorex tapes that Seth took to one of those places where it's like, we'll turn your, your analog into digital, right? He had yeah, that. Right. So Maxine didn't know that I was going to, so that was a surprise for her listening to the episode was the fact that I used Francisco in it blind side was like a blind side for her when she went to re-listen to when she went to approve it right like i do for every was episode. She okay with it uh, yeah she was she was so that was kind of that was kind of neat but you know to give everybody an idea of you know my mother died on a tuesday night i was i was flying i was trying to fly home to get to her 
and I, I didn't make it. Like the things the doctor was saying to me, I was like, she's going to die while I'm on the plane. Like he's basically, he's, I knew he was telling me that without telling me that. I knew that was what was going to happen. And, and I got there and, and actually this is a great story. My cousin, Brian, who's very close to my mother, he's a flight attendant and he heard, and he's like, he said to his mom, do I need to get there? And they're like, they're like, she's like, yes, you do. And so he, he did what he had to do to, to have someone else pick up his flights. And he said, a family emergency. And he was like, he he's based out of Midway. And he was like, we've got a, there's a flight out of Midway that we land at the same time it goes out. And then their flight got delayed a little bit. And he's like, it's going to be close. And he talked to the pilots, the pilots called dispatch and the pilots of the other plane held the plane for him to make it, to get there, to be there with me. And he and oh. I went to the hospital together. I, I, I picked him up at LaGuardia in my cab from JFK wow. and the cab driver broke all kinds of freaking rules doing that. He's like, okay, here two rides would probably be 140 bucks. You give me 120 in cash. We let them think we just took you from JFK. How does that sound? I'm like, my mother would be so happy that you're doing that. Right. That would yeah. make her, that would, that's like the most, my mother loved the cab drivers and refused to take Uber because she was sticking with her cab drivers. Like, cause she was a union person right so oh, yeah right it's those kind of things that happen even from strangers let alone the people that that you know you i don't want to say expect you shouldn't expect anything this war in this world but the people you're not surprised step up for you and then you get these other things out of the blue that are that are wild so that night you know we met my sister at the hospital she my sister got there because she lives in new york and but she's not my mother's child, right? I've, I've explained this 50 million times to the nine stories up listenership, but she got there right. and so she but, made but, sure but that my mother they look at her as like family, right? I right, mean, all right, of that. right, but no, but but she's not legally family, so she had to, she was it was kind of we had to kind of shoehorn her into the hospital because she's not family and she was able to do it and she made sure my mother didn't die a Jane Doe. Because my mother didn't have identification on her. She didn't? She didn't, yeah. And so when I called the hospital, they're like, well, we have one unidentified woman who a lot of people are working around, and her, and her identification is not official. It's spotty. I'm like, that sounds like her, you know? And so I was able to get my sister there, and she, she kind of quarterbacked that part of it and probably had more trauma with it being there alone. So... So they, so Brian and I got to the hospital, Anna was there. And then my friend Hank came up and, and met us at the hospital and the four of us went, it was like one in the morning. The four of us went to the pizza place across the street from my mom's building, which was about to close. And we got pizza <laughs> and we went up to Maxine's house and I've stayed at Maxine's house every weekend coming back. And she's been like my base camp and my, you know, support <sighs> for all this. So it was, it was, so that's why, you know, that's, I, I am close to her. And that's why I was like, when she told the story about her freaking new boyfriend, I was like, wait, whoa, whoa, you said 20 years? Like, what the hell? Like, have I been that bad of a friend, you know, <laughs> that I didn't know this, but I don't think it's something that she, she doesn't, she doesn't keep it a secret, but it's, but it's, but it's not like something that she flaunts, you know, but it's, but right an interesting long-term situation that works well for them. So have you met him? Did you meet him? 
No, I have. I have not. I've not. Still met him no. Yet. Okay. Because I mean, he lives in the guy lives in Belgium, you know, yeah. and, and knocks countries off his to do list, you know, as a hobby. So it's I don't know. It, it's going to be a tough meet, but uh, but yeah. So that's kind of the context of of sort of how she fits in and continues to fit into to my life. So incredible. That's pretty incredible. How how has her play gone? gone up and how is it how's it done she's still she's still like it's like you do it and you show it and then you have to do iterations of it and so forth so so we'll see how it how it continues to track but she had i mean one of the days we were here cleaning out my mother's apartment she had a meeting with someone who was helping her do some revamping and editing i don't know what you call it like a writing coach or a sure i don't know what the right word is because I think writing coach I'm only, is the I'm only word. an amateur showbiz perfect person. Word. Not writing a... coach. Perfect. Wow. Um, yeah. And, and again, you say you don't mean to do this, but each of those three episodes and in, in listening to them and, and, you know, again, you say, um, um, I'm, I'm reaching at straws here, but they all have like these existential, connections to them you know with with katie and her 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 struggles you know and hey you know now she's now she's pregnant um you know my gosh the message to obi-wan is all about god to some degree which is you know interesting and then you know beautiful and and how she's you know work working on her, her play is really an extension of her her herself really it's just it's incredible um those were those were um i i, I pause only um they were more serious episodes than than you you know than the, than the previous <laughs> than magic mike or mama noel or the accidental reunion you know those are wonderful episodes don't get me wrong um but but these were definitely more serious in tone, um, which I really enjoyed, Hunter. Yeah, and um, and it was and I I kind of with the beautiful episode, I really needed to go on the record with what Francisco meant to my life. You know, like I had not I had not put that down for the for whatever this becomes of if my kids listen to this eventually or their kids do, you know. I, it was it was important to to state that and the and the type of mentor that he that he was to me. So, do you think your kids have somebody like that in their life? That's a good question. I don't I don't know because you know as a as a single mom, my mother had to lean on people just to get to get us by. You know, to logistically get us by she always had to lean on people like that. So in a two parent household, you don't have to have that as much, right? You can be a little bit more independent, but there are definitely, you know, like with my son graduating high school this week and having the, you know, with the graduation party, I was like, you know, there are people who are, I was like, you know, what adults from our church do you want to invite? Because if I invite, if I pick, I have to invite everybody because they're all my friends, you know, but this is your party and what, who was, you know, so he did pick people out, but it was nowhere close to the, 
like he doesn't really he has he does have people who he can just walk into their house and it's like it's his house you know kind of thing yeah but um but i don't know if it's the same i don't know if he has to depend on anybody the way i had to depend on francisco for a lot of stuff and i'm and i'm not saying that to disparage my father i'm just saying that the the de- the nature of divorce is you're not living in the same house day to day you know that was going to be my question do you think that was a bit of a result of your yeah, dad just out not, of necessity out of, out out of necessity of, right not being close and having a somebody else that you can talk to yeah yeah, yeah. i i also think the way in which at least my kids are growing up i don't know if yours are the same way we're way more involved um, oh for yeah, good or for yeah, bad right, than right, yeah. than parents are back then and parents you know you'd, you'd go outside and you'd be all right i'll see you at dinner i don't want yeah. i don't want to see i'll see you at lunch or unless you eat lunch at the neighbors it's, and then we'll see you at dinner and your butt better be home by 5 30 you know or 6 so, whenever dinner time was you know and that that just isn't the way it is today yeah it's funny you should say that because you know one of my one of my friends who's who's you know plowing toward his five-time jacket on this podcast is is my friend ben and there was a note when we were cleaning out my mother's stuff. There was a note that I left her when I was just barely old enough to walk the streets of New York on my own because Ben lived, lives at 86th Street. So I live at 92nd. So it's a little bit a little bit down the way. And there was this note that said, mom, comma, in orange magic marker, right? It said, mom, comma, I'm at Ben's. And then it's signed on the bottom, Hunter Piermont. <laughs> you 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 leave then, a note and then i added the deer i added deer in a crayon later because i felt so bad that i should have said deer so there it's like this green crayon writing of deer on this note but but that's what it was right like i was young enough that i that i wrote that idiotic note but i still walked the streets of new york to go to my friend's house and and like i don't know how old my kids would have had to been for alice and i to let them walk around new york alone Probably they were, you know, it was probably 2019 when Jackson was 14 that I let them do it, you know? I I mean, I look, I look now and just, I think this year there's a park maybe two blocks away that I'm like, all right, guys, go to the park. You have a watch, come back in an hour or come back in 30 minutes. And is it the sign of the times because bad stuff, you know, it seems like probably bad stuff was happening back then, but you just maybe didn't know about it or is it more bad stuff's happening or we're just more. No, I don't think more bad stuff is happening. I think the shame of being called a being referred to as a bad parent is, is overblown now. So I think like the parent shaming because the parent bragging, like the humble bragging on social media and all that, you know, that stuff, permeates to where you're you're too afraid to, you do defensive things so that no one can say you're a bad parent for us it isn't parent shame i mean maybe maybe it is but it's like it's like trust <laughs> i think our parents you know i mean some of it's like I, my you know i love my youngest he's he's definitely a wild card you know so but I promise you, you don't you don't think about it consciously, but it there's guardrails, there's social guardrails on every decision we make as parents in this day and age. Right. Okay. It's just uh, 
they're there, they're there. And, and there, there are these free range parents who can do the, I don't give a shit, you know, and, it, and it's great for their kids and it's great for them. But then most of the rest of us are like, don't want to be caught dead zagging while everybody's zigging, you know? So uh, it just is what it is. I get, I don't like saying. Yeah. That. I think the advent though of, of devices as well. Right. Um, I think the biggest challenge, you know, not biggest, but a challenge we have is, Hey, go, go play. You don't right. get your, you don't get your screen. You don't get your video game. You don't get any of that stuff. Like get outside. Yeah. Um, we definitely try to push that right with the the sports and the athletics and all that stuff, but it's like, not, it's like, it's hard. Yeah. Um, it's, it's different. It's definitely different. I, I can't imagine saying I'll see you. I'll see you. I'll see you in, I'll see you in eight hours. Right. Right. Don't be late for dinner. Right. Don't be late for dinner. You know, summertime. Cause I don't know about you, but as a kid, I didn't go to a ton of camps. Now I had the luxury of having a, you know, a mom that either did work from home or, you know, didn't, didn't, she, she worked, but you know, or was a teacher at the time, um, when I was older, but I mean, we didn't do like, my kids like camps and all that stuff, you know, yeah. you, you need somebody yeah. to kind of mind them. Yeah, I did all that stuff because I had the single mom. So I would, yeah, I did, I did all kinds of stuff like that. But thanks for making me feel bad. Yeah. That's okay. No, it was, it was fine. It was, it, it was good. Just it kidding. Was, it was, it was, it exposed me to a lot of people I wouldn't have been exposed to. So yeah, it's good. I think it's great. I think it's great. I, 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 part of me wishes I, I would have done that yeah. stuff. Um, you know, but we all, we are, we are who we are. We're shaped by our experiences for sure. So anyway, um, as far as the third, the third period of this season goes. Yeah. Yeah. Where we had it, Hunter. That's what I want to know. For this, they, they know it, they know it's coming and it's going to come hard because they're, you know, I learned my lesson with the other. So get ready out there. If you get bothered, I'm going to be a little persistent. Nine Stories Up is hosted by me, Brian Vabulous, in association with Beanbag Studios in Culver City, California. Our theme music is Short Stories by Harry Chapin, licensing graciously provided by Warner Chappelle Music. If you have a story to tell or know someone who might, you can reach out to us on the major social media platforms at Nine Stories Up or email us at ninestoriesup at gmail.com. And if you like what you hear, feel free to give us a five-star rating or tell a friend about the show. Finally, we'd like to thank Hunter Piermont for contributing to this episode, because without it, we wouldn't have one. You never know what's cooking inside his mad alchemist brain. But that doesn't mean we can't ask, and that doesn't mean he won't tell us. What do you have in your back pocket? Oh, I'm cutting this out. You know that that's already going to credits. Hey, I can, I can, nice you try. know, I can have dreams. I can have dreams. Nice I can have try. dreams. Did you ever run wild? I've been a hundred years old. I've been a newborn child.